Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You ready to let the dogs out? What? Do what? <laughs> let the dogs out. You know, like, who let the dogs out? Who, who? Off the Hook, airing on offthehooksports.com. Your home for real news, real opinions, and what really matters about Tennessee athletics. Always available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, iHeart. Like, share, follow, subscribe. Always available wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Good morning to you and yours. He's Caleb Calhoun. I am Dave Hooker. We're with you for the next hour or so talking about the balls, the SEC, and what is going on with the transfer portal. A lot going on. Tennessee picking up three on Monday. So go ahead and jump on board. We want you to hit that like button so we can bring more people on board the show and remind you that our new time is 10 o'clock. So we go from little bit earlier in the morning to later in the morning so we'll be with you at 10 o'clock each and every weekday and also eric berry in the hall of fame a big duh no surprise absolutely should be in the hall of fame congratulations to that young man and when you talk about bfl he is right up at the top of the list he came to tennessee at a time when they were getting dysfunctional and every school came calling he ended up at tennessee and did things that mere humans do not do in college football. So again, hit that thumbs up button. We greatly appreciate it. If you're not subscribed, get subscribed. Caleb Calhoun, how are you, sir? I'm doing great today. How are you doing this morning, Dave? Better than TCU. Your thoughts on the game last night as that was, I saw a stat where that was the biggest win, uh, biggest deficit in bowl history 
which was uh, flashed up there late after the game. So I imagine people were digging through bowl records to find that. But nevertheless, uh, that was just uh, an absolute demolition. Uh, Congrats to TCU for getting there. That was not a game for long. And boy, this Georgia program really feels like uh, the Alabama program with uh, Nick Saban in its prime at its height. I think uh, Saban's come back to the pack just slightly, but the number one class in recruiting. Caleb, that was just, that was over before it started. Yeah, it was. Um, I'm going to make a bold statement here and stand by what I said yesterday, that Tennessee would have had an easier time with Georgia in a playoff semifinal than they would have had with TCU. Yeah, I know. I'm still saying that. (laughs) And How can you possibly go there after what we saw last night? Because we knew... My premise was based on the fact, and it still was based on this fact, that Georgia wouldn't have gone, been as focused and gone all in playing Tennessee as they were playing TCU last night. We saw this with Georgia all year. This Georgia team that just blew out TCU was trailing Missouri by 10 in the fourth quarter earlier in the year. So I, you know, it's, we've talked all, this was a Georgia team. If it was a national championship game, yes, Georgia would have blown Tennessee out, but in a semifinal Georgia didn't keep their focus all year. They had 10, what, nine days to prepare for this game. They had plenty of time to be fully focused and fully excited. They weren't looking ahead of anything. It was a chance to finish 15 and 0. Psychologically, they were all there. And so obviously when that happens, they're on a different stratosphere of talent than TCU. So they blew them out of the water. Um, Well, let's, first of all, Tennessee would have fared better against Georgia than TCU and I I feel confident in saying that had there been some sort of rematch where Tennessee by the way finishes number sixth in the AP top 25 had Tennessee been able to which is stupid they should have been ahead of Alabama but had Tennessee been able to get to a championship game against Georgia they would have fared better, better against TCU not only did they fare better in Athens but you could tell at different times by things the commentators would say. I mean, I heard Chris Fowler at one point after the game said, yeah, I thought this was over in the middle of the second quarter. Well, at that point, it was just about a 10-point lead. Um, and, and you could say that, and I get that, but just the sense of all the commentators referring to this was a way, way, way outmanned TCU team, and it was. So Tennessee talent-wise wouldn't have been that outmanned. And I'm talking about the guys up front primarily. Tennessee's offensive line has been a strength this season. And then on the flip side, the uh, defensive line has had its moments at least. But on the line of scrimmage, you could watch the first quarter and realize really quickly, Caleb, that TCU just couldn't compete with Georgia's big guys. It it just was not going to happen last night. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. And um, I don't think, T- I think matchup wise, TCU was not, there's never a scenario where you could see TCU catch Georgia napping per se, um, because even if Georgia's napping, TCU doesn't have the personnel, the way they're built, um, they're not really going to be able to take advantage of any sort of matchup issues. Because again, they're an air raid offense. Even when Georgia's sleeping through games, their secondary is pretty darn good at shutting down receivers, quite honestly. And so, um, you know, I think I just saw Travis Casey, TCU moved up a spot in the AP. I get that. I mean, they did beat Michigan. People are trying to say TCU shouldn't have been there now, but I'm like, guys, TCU did beat Michigan the week before. 
And are we seeing Michigan shouldn't have been there? We all agreed they were undefeated and won the Big Ten. They should have obviously been there. So, um, but but I agree in terms of just actual talent. Look, the college football playoff is not about the four most talented teams. We have to be clear about that. It's about the four best teams or with the team, the four teams with the best body of work, I would say. And do I think TCU doesn't come close to Georgia talent-wise? Tennessee comes much closer to Georgia talent-wise. Um I don't think there was a scenario where TCU could have called Georgia napping. I do think there are scenarios where tennis, where TCU could have called other teams napping that would be capable of catching Georgia napping. If, if that makes sense. Well, and actually, I don't know if you, in the bedlam after the game, I don't know if you saw this interview, but Stetson Bennett said that heading into that Ohio state game, that they didn't prepare as well as they should have, which I thought was a really interesting peek behind the curtain. I don't know why they didn't, but maybe they just thought they had, Ohio State hand so that was the worst possible possible mixture heading into the championship game a Georgia team that didn't think they played well the week before but survived so now they're uber motivated they said they were hitting which this reminds me of the Dallas Cowboys in the early 90s they hit the week before the Super Bowl full pads which sounds insane but Georgia said that a couple of different people said they were hitting in full pads last week in what essentially would be their Tuesday, Wednesday workouts, which last week would have been Friday, Saturday. So if you look at it like a game week, they were essentially hitting on their normal days, which a lot of people don't do. You get to that point and you back off the throttle to make sure everybody's healthy. That's the scary thing about this Georgia team. And Georgia has such depth right now that it feels like a a plug and play System. So I want to look at their schedule next year because I think Tennessee is probably the best chance for Georgia to not be a three-peat champion or at least get in the college football playoff. And I know you have that pulled up. First, I remind you to hit the like button. We need you to do that especially. And be sure and hit subscribe if you haven't already. I tell you that because uh, with our new time change, we're bringing in a whole new audience So from 8.30 to 10, we'll be with you each and every day at 10 o'clock. Go to offthehooksports.com for more of the coverage of Tennessee's big day in the portal that we're going to break down and my thoughts on Eric Berry. He's, in my opinion, one of the top three players in Tennessee football history, but there's a lot more to him than that. Brought to you by Bassey Lawn and Garden Man Alive. It's worth the drive in Cleveland. Industrial, commercial, and residential mowers right there in Cleveland. So worth the drive from Nashville, Knoxville, Chattanooga, in Cleveland, Tennessee, Bassey Lawn and Garden. So let's take a look at Georgia's schedule next year, Caleb. And it looks like Tennessee is probably the most daunting challenge they have on their schedule. Would would, would that be would that be accurate? I would go as far to say they may be the only challenge on Georgia's schedule. I mean, unless you want to count Ole Miss the week before, but that's at at Sanford Stadium. I I know Link Kiffin's a great coach, but I mean, do you really? Do you really think Ole Miss, even with Lane Kiffin and the program he's got, is good enough to beat Georgia at Georgia? I don't. I don't think they're good enough to compete. So, yeah, I think Tennessee's the only challenge on their schedule. This is a this is such a bad schedule. I'm going to be honest. Even as an SEC team, I think Georgia should – I think Georgia might have to win the SEC championship next year to get to the playoff. I don't think they have a case if they lose because they're not going to have a quality win on the resume otherwise. So what, their top games are Ole Miss, Georgia, and then kind of break down the schedule for me if you can. Yeah, uh, Ole Miss and Tennessee, and those are back-to-back. They open at UT Martin. Then they have Ball State. 
Then they have South Carolina at home. I get how South Carolina ended this season, but I think you think that was a fluke, Dave. And I think that you may be right on that. Um, then they have then they have UAB at home. So their first four games are at home, all three against group of five teams, the other against South Carolina. Then their first road game is at Auburn. That's going to be a rebuilding team and um, with a first-year head coach. Then they have Kentucky at home, and then they visit Vanderbilt. That's all before their bye. So can, we can just go ahead and say they're going to be 7-0 and before their bye. There's not even a debate, right? Um, yeah, I would think so. I think they're 7-0 and heading into the bye, and then where does it get interesting? And then it gets interesting with um, Florida and Jacksonville. Under Kirby Smart, they've righted the ship. If this were Mark Rick, I, I mean – you know, historically, it seemed like even when Florida was at their worst and Georgia was at their best, Florida could get the best of them. I think Ron Zook took two of three against Florida. Call Smart Rick a national title in 2002 by beating <laughs> beating Florida, uh, Georgia. But that that those days are long gone. So I, I think Georgia is going to beat Florida. I missed the boat on Billy Napier. I thought Billy Napier, I didn't think he was great at scheming, but I thought he was a great program runner, I guess you could say, like CEO. He's great. He He's great at details. That's the one word I, I kept hearing during SEC media days. He's a detail guy. He's a detail guy. What what does that mean? That he remembers to brush his teeth every morning? <laughs> I, I've, uh, I've not been a Billy Napier guy from the get. I'm just going to be honest with you. But, uh, I, you know, I was definitely in the minority with Billy Napier at Florida at SEC media days. Everybody from an analyst perspective, like a national that covers the entire conference, down to individual beat writers said he's going to get it done. I was like, no, no, I don't know that he's going to get it done. I think Brian Kelly was a much better hire at LSU. He's got the most wins of all time at Notre Dame. And so I don't I don't think Florida's headed for anything special, Tennessee fans. But uh, Caleb, continue. Sorry to interrupt. Uh, no, no, it's fine. I actually would have added to that. I'm, I'm going to go bold here. I mean, because I, I know we disagree, but I'm not the biggest. I'm not trying to pretend I thought he was a good coach. Billy Napier, kind of the whole detail process thing reminds me so much of Derek Dooley in a negative way you know, pro- so process oriented. And so, yeah, so there's Florida, Missouri at home. That's a win. So then, so that's, that, we're already talking, I've gotten them to nine and oh already. And I, you know, I don't know how they, I, I, they, they fall out of bed and win all nine of these games. Then you've got Ole Miss at home, November the 11th. That's going to be the most, that's their toughest game to that point. Their 10th game is Ole Miss at home. The week after that, they visit Tennessee and then they visit Georgia Tech. Um, that's a bad schedule. Georgia Tech's going to have a first-year head coach too. And so, I mean, that's that's an that's a really, really, really bad schedule. So unless Florida surprises us and turns it around and becomes good, unless Spencer Rattler is – I'm hearing rumblings, and Dave, your head might explode because you're not a fan of, of Shane Beamer, but I'm hearing rumblings that Spencer Rattler is going to be next year's Hendon Hooker. <laughs> and um, – Unless that happens or unless Florida really takes another step under Napier, where's Georgia's competition before Ole Miss and Tennessee? And Ole Miss is at home. And again, I don't think Ole Miss, I mean, talent-wise, I would put a lot more money on Tennessee competing than Ole Miss with Georgia. Travis brought up a good point. So they did beat Michigan, but the fact that TCU, they did move up in the AP, is that right? So mm-hmm. um, Travis says, how do you lose two of your last three and move up? I'm, I'm with Travis on that one. I understand you got to the, uh, the, the championship game, but I don't understand how in the world that you move up after losing two of your last three. That just doesn't make sense. And a lot, I, mean, I would agree that if, if anything, they should have just dropped Michigan and said the Big Ten was overrated as a whole. But 
Yeah, and and, and listen, TCU, the exact opposite schedule in 2022 that you're talking about Georgia in 2023. So kudos to them because the Big 12 was good from top to bottom. Uh, TCU turned out to be the elite team, but one to eight, I would stack it up with with anybody, including the SEC and the Big 10. Uh, The Big 10 is incredibly top heavy, incredibly top heavy, but the, the SEC is less top heavy, but the Big 12, I mean, kudos to TCU for getting to that point. But I think what we have learned is that if you're talking about the top two or three teams, it's clearly the SEC, okay? And then number two is going to be the Big 10. Now, would you rather be in in the SEC or Big 10 where yeah, I, I, out of the group, I would rather be in the Big 10? As far as advancing to a college football playoff, I'd rather be in the Big Ten. I've got my one challenging game, basically, which is Michigan or Ohio State, depending which you are. And then I have maybe sort of Penn State as a challenging game, right? In the SEC, you've got two or three really, really, really challenging games. A couple more that are pretty challenging. At the Big 12, you're one to eight pretty good. So as far as advancing to the college football playoff, I would much rather be in the Big Ten than either the Big 12 or the SEC. Do you agree or disagree? Yes, but because we still have divisions in college football, I think it depends. And on a macro scale, much rather be in the Big 10. But I'd rather be in the SEC East than the Big 10 East. Um, Big 10 East is where you have Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, and SEC East is. Yeah, but you're right. The Big 10 West is so – I mean, Big 10 West is barely a Power 5 division, if you ask me. Purdue won that division this year, and they finished 8-5. and And so – you know, that's the that's a horrible division. I'll tell you what, I know both the games were close and I know how state pushed Al uh sorry, pushed Georgia to the brink, but I think Tennessee matches up well after watching them against quality competition against teams that can throw the ball. And I include Georgia in that respect, even though we think of them as rough, tough and all that stuff. But um I, I think Tennessee would have matched up fine with Michigan or Ohio State. I really do. Call me crazy. But I think they would have been just fine. Um, I'm not saying they would have won, but I think they would have competed. I agree. I, I said yesterday, and I'm standing by it, they would have matched up better with Michigan or Ohio State than they would have with TCU. <laughs> Even after what we saw from TCU last night, TCU had the perfect recipe to give Tennessee hell in a game. And that was that secondary. And I mean, and you know, on top of that, if you have your best linebacker out like you did against South Carolina and your defensive line is just having an off day, I mean, you you know, you have a recipe for – if South Carolina could put up 63 points on Tennessee's defense with a quarterback playing well, we know Max Duggan and TCU could. So I, I'm with you. I think Michigan and Ohio State were better matchups, largely because, I, I you know, you sometimes – the only reason Ohio State's a little bit tricky is TCU runs the air raid. Ohio State – I mean, how many NFL receivers do they have on that team? We're talking like four that could be top two. Yeah, I was told by Chris Landry, friend of the program, they probably have four first-rounders. Yeah, four first-rounders, and we know Tennessee's issues in the secondary. They couldn't have hung with any of those receivers. So the question would have been if C.J. Stroud would have just been able to get them the ball, and Stroud is a little bit inconsistent. But I don't think Ohio State could have stopped Tennessee on the other, on the other side. Mm, no, I totally agree. Totally agree. Uh, let's get to today's tough question. Today's tough question is brought to you by our friends at City Heating and Air, cityheatandair.com. Integrity matters right there in the Knoxville area. Area You'll love 
cityheatandair.com. It is time for today's tough question. We do our research. Have you done your research? We're working like heck. Today's tough question. What's the real debate? You sipping my soup, eh, Guadalupe? Exclusively on Off the Hook Sports with Dave Hooker and Amanda LaFrada. You drinking my sake, Kimosabi? Oh, my God. Okay, I'm talking about last night, and I know that Tennessee and Georgia played previously. I know it didn't go well for the balls. But I ask you this, Caleb Calhoun. Tennessee last night, would they have won? And I'm going to post this on Twitter. Would they have won, lost by less than 10, lost by less than 20 to Georgia, or have just gotten blown out? What would have happened last night if Georgia was in TCU's place? What say you? I'm go- you mean if Tennessee was in TCU's place? Yes, what did I say? You said it, Georgia. It's okay. Okay, Tennessee was in TCU's place. Apologize. I'm going to say lost by less than 20. I'm going to say it would have looked exactly like that Tennessee-Georgia matchup in November. And the reason I'm going to say, if it were a semifinal game, I think Tennessee would have lost by less than 10, maybe even one, one of those two. But What's the difference? What's the difference? I think Georgia was looking ahead of the semifinal game and wasn't preparing well for it. And like I said, you can catch Georgia napping in those moments. Yesterday, they were fully focused, had the whole game circled, had the game circled, had nothing to focus on but the chance to win the title and go 15-0. and There was nothing to distract them yesterday, which was very similar to how they played Tennessee in early November when, remember, they were so – that was one of those games that they – there was nothing really to distract them because there was all this talk ahead of time that Tennessee might upset Georgia. It was a one versus two game. Eric Ainge and a bunch of Tennessee fans talked about how quiet Sanford State. They were on a mission to blow out Tennessee in that game, and they won 27 to 13. Um, I think it would have looked like that in the national title game last night. But again, Dave, you know this, like, you know, that's the tough thing about a playoff. You got to stay, you got to keep the same level of motivation for a week to week. Tennessee was effectively in a playoff scenario back in 2001, win the SEC title, and you go play for the national title. They couldn't focus right for the SEC title, and they lost that game. Worst loss in Tennessee football history. And so that happens a lot. And I think Georgia was in that mental state when they were playing the semifinal game. Okay. Uh, I I think Tennessee would have would have hung a lot closer. I go back to the beginning of that Georgia game, how everything went absolutely wrong. And I think that Tennessee would have been in it. I think Tennessee would have been um, eventually beaten, but I think they would have been in it. I think they would have had better pass protection. I think they would have had slightly better pressure. Um, I just thought up front, Tennessee is significantly better on both sides of the ball. And then I think Tennessee, now I'm, I, w- I want to backtrack a little bit. I'm assuming that Hendon Hooker is is the guy and that this is the Tennessee team that we saw play Georgia. So maybe that's a huge caveat in your mind. Maybe it's not. Maybe they're just fine with Joe Milton. So if I threw off your line of thinking, I apologize, Caleb. But I just think the fronts would have been way different. And I think that Tennessee would have been able to to muster up enough of a, a game that this is within 10. 
I don't think it would have been out of hand. I don't think it would have been 30 points. I really don't even think it would have been uh, 10 points. I want to remind you that uh, Zul Beer is the official craft beer of Off the Hook Sports. Go to ZulBeer.com, ZulBeer.com. Great parking downtown, and you're going to love Zul Beer because they have worldwide award-winning craft beer. You can't beat that. So, uh, coming up on the program, I want to give you my thoughts on Eric Berry. As a guy that covered him, there's no player really that I have more respect for. And I'll tell you a couple of stories about what a special guy that he was because he was at Tennessee in a time where they didn't really have a face of the program. So he, as a defensive back, had to be it. And it wasn't a lot of fun uh, back in 2008 when one of the all-time greats at Tennessee was on his way out and there were all kinds of issues going on uh, behind the scenes for Philip Fulmer's ouster. So there are a lot of things I want to share with you uh, that I have before, but if you haven't heard them, I think you'll find it very insightful for Eric Berry who enters the college football hall of fame and just incredible. I think that Tennessee has had 23 people get in there. The last was Al Wilson and Eric Berry, even though his teams didn't necessarily win a ton of games, even though his his teams uh, ended up in a head coach getting fired. It's just a remarkable young man on a lot of levels, and that has nothing to do with his playing ability, which was absolutely phenomenal. So hang with me on that. Transfer portal talk coming up next. I need you to hit that like button because we're at a new time, and it's, 11, it's 10 o'clock each and every day. So you got to hit that like button so we can bring more people in. Greatly appreciate that. Back in two minutes, this is Off the Hook Sports. And I remind you that with GIAplantoday.com, that's Guardian Investment Advisors, you'll not only know where your money is going, but you'll know why. Thanks to video teleconferencing, you can work with the best in the nation when it comes to financial advising. And that's Guardian Investment Advisors, GIAplantoday.com. Hang with me for two minutes, Tennessee, with a big haul on Monday in the transfer portal. He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. It has risen to the highest level in over 40 years, according to the April 2022 U.S. inflation calculator. Will your investments provide you the income you need in retirement? Are you losing purchasing power of your savings due to inflation? Simply stated, if the cost of goods and services are 8% higher and you're only earning 4% in your investments, that money buys you less of what you need. Right now is the time to act. Call Guardian Investment Advisors today. Hey folks, Gary Viles here. I want to personally invite you to North Knoxville's newest sports bar and restaurant. It's Big Orange Phillies, located in Black Oak Center. And yes, folks, it's happening in halls. Big Orange Phillies offers family-friendly environment with homemade meals and the best deli-style subs around. Billiards, darts, jukebox, shuffleboard, and cornhole, and a full bar. We also offer valet parking on weekends and during special events. We even have a covered back patio. It's happening at Big Orange Phillies. We want, we need, and we appreciate your business. Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. Chattanooga, we're at it again. For the fifth year in a row, you voted us best of the best criminal and DUI law firm. 
and finalist for best law firm and best personal injury firm. Thank you for the love, Chattanooga. We won't let you down. Do you want to own the more that owns every job? Then get to Vasty Lawn and Garden in Cleveland and get you a Toro. I'm David Vasty, here to talk to you about Toro. With a Toro Zero turn, you'll get more out of every minute and you'll reach the finish line faster. At Vassy's, we like to say, no matter if you're mowing three acres a week or 11 lawns a day, homeowners and business owners alike find confidence in equipment they can trust from top to bottom. Vassy Lawn and Garden, Highway 60 North in Cleveland. Man alive, it's worth the drive. Got cataracts? We can fix that. Never miss another moment. With a little help from Doctors Campbell, Cunningham, Taylor, and Hahn at CCTIs.com. Good gracious, look at me. Caleb, I'm definitely looking uh, all ball today, whether or not I meant to. My wife is nice enough. Um, she puts up with a lot. And she's nice enough to put out what I eat in the morning. So what have I got? I got an orange Gatorade. And then I've got, look at this, tangerines. I mean, like, I couldn't be more orange today. I like to think of myself as objective. So I have. Very acidic. Yes, that is very acidic. But I also have, I guess to offset it, a sausage and egg burrito. So I guess that could be. What would sausage and egg burrito? What what SEC team would that signify? Like Mississippi State, maybe like tough kind of. Oh, well, they wear the gold because they do wear the gold sometimes. Mississippi State don't, or is it silver? I can't. But um, you're right because I don't know. I'm thinking maroon and yellow or gold. I like. I'm that, I'm I'm going Arizona State, which is not an SEC team, but like that's about as close as I can get. Um, maybe Florida State if they join the SEC one day. <laughs> David asked me who's playing Hooker or Milton if they would have played last night because I think Tennessee could have hung tight with Georgia. So I'm saying Hooker. I'm I'm going back to that. And um, so as far as today's tough question, um, let's get an update on that. As uh, we asked the question, how would Tennessee have fared last night in the college football playoff championship game? All right, so we've got win, 23%, obviously a Tennessee crowd. Lost by 10 or less, 38.5%. Lost by 20 uh, or less, 38.5%. And blowout like TCU. So we've got uh, a few votes in there. Continue to uh, shout us out. Give us your votes. And Again, new time, so hit that thumbs up button. We want you to like it so we can bring more people into the program. And uh, nobody yet says blowout like TCU. So, I mean, everything's in the cards. Who knows? But, Caleb, I, I don't think there's no way that Tennessee would have lost. What was it 65 to 7 was the final? No, no, they would not have. No, no, because again, like I said, we, we have evidence of this. Um, again, this is Georgia. Again, how the question is how locked in would Georgia have been? I think they would have been fully locked in for the national title, but Tennessee was one of the few games of the on the year where Georgia was fully locked in during the season, and they beat Tennessee by 14. And now, again, the reason I think it would have been with 10 to 20 is because let's be honest, watching that Tennessee Georgia game in 2000, I mean, in, in, back in November, Georgia could have won by 30. 
they chose to win by 14 and run the clock out. So if Tennessee were to ever make it a game, Georgia would then keep the dogs on and they would win by 10 to 20. I just, but I, yeah, I think they wouldn't win by, it wouldn't be 65 to seven. I don't think they'd win by more than 20 either. Um, I just think, I don't think, uh, I don't think Tennessee is capable of hanging with a fully healthy, fully locked in Georgia team. I just don't, but yeah, they wouldn't lose 65 to seven. I think the the key word you brought out there is fully locked in. So let's say Tennessee's in Ohio mm-hmm. state's place the week before, and you brought this up and Georgia admittedly uh, overlooked that game, which is crazy to me in an elimination game. But several of the players said that last night after the big win over TCU. So when you look at Tennessee, um, maybe they would have overlooked Tennessee had there somehow been a semifinal matchup. Now, the college football playoff committee is never going to let that happen. They would want to separate uh, two conference teams. But let's just say that was the case. Then, yes, I think Georgia saying, hey, we already beat these guys, uh, feeling good about ourselves. I certainly think that Georgia could have overlooked Tennessee, as bizarre as that might seem. So uh, a couple of transfers, three actually yesterday for the balls and you start with miami transfer offensive lineman john campbell um tennessee is trying to replace darnell Wright. it's not going to be easy to replace him in case you don't know when you consider size speed ratio and all of that he is he was one of the absolute best athletes on the team you're talking about a guy who could do backflips who's just an absolutely phenomenal athlete. So Darnell Wright's not going to be replaced by anybody coming from the transfer portal uh, in full. But John Campbell is one of those guys that Tennessee is going to look to to step into that right tackle spot. So what were your thoughts on on Tennessee? Let's start with John Campbell, and then we'll get to Norman Lott, and we'll get to uh, a wide receiver that uh, indeed, as your headline said, could make Tennessee very scary. But let's start with John Campbell. How big of a pickup was this for the balls in terms of roster need? Um, it was pretty big in this way. Um, I think Tennessee had their start, had found the starters they need at both tackle spots because Gerald Mincy's locked in at left tackle and Texas transfer Andre Carrick was going to come in and replace Darnell Wright at right tackle. You're, like you said, not really replace, but at least fill that void. I think the goal with tackle when you never have enough depth on your offensive line, but you always want to be able to run three guys, uh, you know, at tackle overall. And I think with John Campbell, you get that. Um, So you have some options now and he could, I think he's going to end up being the starter over Carrick now, which is makes it an even bigger deal. I think the real story with John Campbell is this was where, this was why I brought up the Billy Napier point last segment. Billy Napier was the CEO, all about details and process. It wasn't about game planning. It was about building a program. And losing out on a guy like John, on a transfer like John Campbell is a big deal for, for somebody like him. Tennessee should not have been able to lure him out of Florida and away from the Gators. And if they're doing that, what's your selling point for Billy Napier over Josh Heupel at that point? Because you know he's not going to out-scheme Josh Heupel in a game. And now it's looking like he's not going to out-recruit Josh Heupel either. And so there were some real, real, real consequences to this one random pickup that I did not think Tennessee was going to get. No, I didn't either. I thought that was a pleasant surprise for Tennessee. Okay, so before we get to the receiver that I know everybody wants to talk about because that's exciting, defensive lineman uh, Omar Norman Lott. Um, Here is a guy who 
um, leaves the uh, Arizona State Sun Devils and makes the transfer. And um, this is after the Dante Thornton pickup, which we're going to get to. But here's one where Rodney Garner pulls a guy in. And talk about teaching an old dog new tricks. Rodney Garner is one of the best high school recruiters of all time, but he's proving to be a great recruiter in the transfer portal as well. Um, uh, he officially entered the transfer portal in December, did Norman Lott, and Tennessee was the first school to extend Norman Lott a scholarship. And he was very impressed by East Tennessee. He transfers from Arizona State. Uh, he is a guy who has six foot three, 290 pounds, so he's going to be a pure defensive tackle. There's no question about that. And again, credit Tennessee, because as much as they want to compete with the Alabamas and Georgias, and I think they're about eh, this close. If you're watching on video, um, I'm holding my fingers very close together. If you're if you're listening on our audio platforms, then I'm holding my fingers pretty close together. But I here's a guy that Tennessee uh, didn't wait for more people to come and 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 reach out to and they extended the first scholarship offer and secured him tennessee may well recruit with georgia and alabama one day where they go toe to toe joe says he's very excited about norman lot for some reason they may go toe to toe with georgia or alabama and but it's not quite there yet they're not able to take they're not able to go toe-to-toe with 10 guys that Georgia or Alabama really, really want and win five of those battles. They may get there. That may happen by next year, but it's not happening yet. So you have to extend scholarship offers earlier than maybe you're even a little bit comfortable with, and I think Norman Lott is a great example of that. Yeah, and uh, with Latrell Bumpus and Byron Young gone, Norman Lott is somebody they really needed. Um, I think we said yesterday, I think we all three of us had Norman Lott at the top of our list of the players Tennessee wanted to get the most um, because he filled a direct need, has power five experience. This is the equivalent of just a regular free agent signing in the NFL to offset a player you lost. And so I think this is a big pickup. Um, I think he could start, but if not, he'll be a rotational guy at the very least. Um, and you're right. It's, the big thing for Hypel and we're, what we're seeing with Hypel in the transfer portal right now, I, you and I have been talking nonstop about 2023 being more of a rebuilding year. You know, Tennessee takes a step back with Hooker gone. I think Hypel's doing everything within his power to make sure that doesn't happen. And he wants to kind of stay above water until he can start really recruiting with the Alabamas and Georgias. And you're right. That's a, that's a good way to focus on it. Um, I think that in college football, it's turned in college football is, you can fall behind really fast. You know, it takes one bad season for every every recruit to look at you and say, eh, I might want to stay away from that right now. And yeah, yeah. And so I, I think that, I think because of that, I think that Josh Heupel knows he, he really can't afford to fall back after one big year. We saw what happened with Kevin Sumlin and right after Johnny Manziel left, had an eight and five year. And then all these people started raising questions. Can he coach without Manziel? And slowly but surely Texas A&M lost a wave of transfers, wasn't recruiting the same. And then he was fired by 2017. And we know Josh Heibel wants to avoid that. Right. And the other one you had um, recently at Tennessee was, I was told um, that, well, I mean, I don't have to be told any by anybody off the record or behind closed doors, Eli Drinkwitz just pointed out that 
Tennessee had NCAA issues. So those have since been or are close to being resolved. So you, I'll guarantee you in recruiting that was brought up several different times. Yeah, you can go play for Tennessee, but man, I hope they don't have that postseason ban. And yep. I know that you, you and I both know that's absurd. I mean, they're, they're not going to postseason ban anybody of Tennessee's ill. Anybody that's in the top 40 of college football, nobody is going to get a postseason ban unless they just practically shoot somebody randomly on the street. So that is absurd to say, but that stuff happens all the time in recruiting. The other thing that happens all the time is, I don't know, that guy may be you know, cheating you know, a little bit. But nowadays, that's all wiped off the table because you can promise NIL money. So uh, the last to pick up, and if you're a fan of this guy already, hit that thumbs up button as we break down the young man, Dante Thornton. Again, the thumbs up button, uh, the like button helps us reach more people at a new time, 10 o'clock each and every weekday. Tennessee adds Oregon wide receiver Dante Thornton making the Vols offense extremely scary. How scary, Caleb Calhoun? This is, like I said, Kevin Durant joining Golden State. That's what this is. You have the best offense in NBA history adding the best offensive player in NBA history. Okay, it's not the best offense adding the best receiver, but Josh Heupel's system is designed for slot receivers to shine regardless you have a 6'5 slot receiver now who runs about a 4'4", 40, I think, was what he clocked in. Maybe a little over that. Maybe 4'4", or something like that. Really fast for 6'5". Put it that way. And you're going to line him up in the slot. And you're going to have Brew McCoy on one side. And you're going to have Ramel Keaton on the other. And there's still Squirrel White. Who, I mean, I think Tennessee is going to run a four, mostly four wide receiver set next year. Princeton fans gone. Jacob Warren's their only really tight end that has experience who's back. Tennessee's going to run four receiver sets all year next year with Jacob Warren out there at tight end. And so I, I, I don't see how, well, wait, can you run four receiver sets with tight end? Yes, you can. My mind just went blank or no, you have to get rid of a running back. Running back. Um, yeah. So Sorry. I think you're including Jacob Warren as essentially a, in some ways he is a receiver. So, I mean, I think that you're going to run the base package of, you know, have a tailback back there and you're going to run a, a tight end and, and three running backs. But if they need to go four wide, which I haven't seen them do that a lot. I mean, they could. Um, my question to you is as far as I, I think it's pretty apparent that he's an outside receiver uh, and the slots taken care of with scroll white, but I've been surprised before I, you know, Jalen Hyatt physically looked like an outside receiver, but there he goes in the slot and has just a masterful year, but where do you see him fitting in? Oh, I think he's going to be in the slot. I think Hypo picked him up because he wanted the size advantage in the slot. Okay. Yeah. Um, Hypo's doing the, I'm not comparing them character wise or coaching wise. Cause I have no respect for the man I'm about to name, but Heupel's doing the Hugh Freeze thing. Um, when Hugh Freeze first got to Ole Miss, he really wanted all of his receivers to be three inches taller than every cornerback, whether it be on the outside or the inside. And Heupel's really going for that now, I think. And so, yes, Squirrel White's a unique case. That's a little bit different. But you look at most of Tennessee's receivers, they're big. And and so I think I think Heupel's going for the size factor in a 6'5 guy in the slot. It, it's scary. And, and also – a guy with an arm as big as Joe Milton's kind of want a bigger guy. And you want a speed guy like Squirrel White, who has been his top target. But if you 
big bodies is what you need. So when you overthrow something, they might actually be able to catch it. And so we had a question on the message board. Will we lose Ramel Keaton now? I don't see that at all. I think Ramel Keaton's practically assured a starting job as long as he dots the I's and crosses the T's in the offseason. I haven't heard any talk of that, Sig. Have you? Yeah. No, no, I, I, I don't think Tennessee's losing Ramel Keaton. I think as a pure, like, just fundamentals receiver, Ramel Keaton is everything you want in a receiver. Um, you know, I he's. Love, I love that guy. I mean, I don't think he has the talent of Cedric Tillman. I don't think he has the speed of Jalen Hyatt. I don't think he has the shiftiness of Squirrel White. Um, and he doesn't have the size of Brew McCoy. Doesn't have the size or overall physicality of Brew McCoy, but I love that guy, man. I, I love Ramel Keaton. To me, he just shows up. I he feels like just and from people I've talked to and watching him, doesn't he feel like the guy who would absolutely be a ball until they tore Neyland Stadium down? Like as far as transfer portal, I feel like he could almost be a second string player next year and he would still stick around. Doesn't he feel like that guy? He's just hung around knowing that Tillman's the star and McCoy's the star and he hasn't gone anywhere. I, I really like him. Yeah. He's going to do his job. He reminds me of um throwback. Remember Jermaine Copeland in the nineties was never really the number one receiver, but Great comparison. Great comparison. Yeah. Yeah. Copeland was always there when you needed him. And you know, I think Ramel Keaton is that guy. Look at you going old school. All right, so think about this for a second. Who would you take out of those three? Or we kind of said it yesterday, but um, you know, the, with Thornton, what kind of impact do you think these guys have? And I'm going to ask you, um, contributor, starter, star. Okay, so I want to break down each each of the three and go contributor, starter, star. Now, in the meantime. I wanted to discuss, uh, at least throw out there, Jawan Mitchell, surprisingly, entered the transfer portal. I didn't see that coming. Portions of the program brought to you by Viles Automotive Group right there on Callahan. Viles Automotive Group is phenomenal when it comes to your car shopping. They have a selection that's unparalleled. They also have a car service department that you'll know you'll get the absolute right fit for you and you'll get treated fairly and you'll get the right service. They're not going to add stuff on. So a bunch of new viewers jumping on now, hit the like button. We greatly appreciate that. Make sure you're subscribed to the channel and we're with you each and every day at 10 o'clock. So with the new time, we need that thumbs up button. So Caleb, um, let me, let me go through them one at a time and you tell me star or start contributor, starter, star. Okay. So I'm going to start with, um, John Campbell, contributor, starter, star. This is a really tough thing to put me in because the order I'm going to put these in is the reverse of how I'd rank the importance of them. So that's that's making zero sense is what you're saying. So all yes. of our listeners and viewers, get ready for zero sense. Nonsensical Caleb all of a sudden. Because John Campbell, I have as a starter. Okay. I, I have him as a contributor. I've got to see it um, before I'm I'm willing to say starter on the offensive line. So I got contributor. Now, contributor means that game four, somebody could get injured and he steps in. So I, I like him. Uh, Omar Norman Lott. So here's why I'm inconsistent. He's the most important pickup for Tennessee yesterday. But I've only got him as a contributor because I don't think he's going to start. 
but I think you just need a bunch of contributors on the defensive line. So I think he's a starter. I'm gonna go starter. I'm gonna go starter. Um, Where though? Because there's Amari Thomas still, and I think Garland is back. Entire West might be emerging, right? He might. Um, I'm still though. I'm still gonna go starter. I'm just gonna. I'm. I'm I'm gonna go out. Old strategy, Cotton. (laughs) Let's see how it works out for it. Dante Thornton, receiver, contributor, starter, star. Star. Maybe not next year, but the year after, star. I mean, a six-five slot guy in Josh Heupel's offense. Dave, you and I could be all SEC playing slot in Josh Heupel's offense. <laughs> so I mean, this is that, that this is insane that that they did that. This is this is Steve Spurrier. This is if Peyton Manning played for Steve Spurrier in the nineties. That's what this is. I think that would have gone pretty well, just for the record. Yeah. Peyton Manning playing for Spurrier? Could you imagine? <laughs> yeah, I think I think that would have gone uh, just fine. So, all right. Uh, I want to share my thoughts uh, on Eric Berry, who I'm very, very fond of uh, in a lot of different ways. And, he, you know, I asked him so many questions back in 2008. He might not even like me, but I, I, I like him. I like his family a lot. There's no more... Uh, there's nobody that's more deserving of the term BFL than Eric Berry. So, um, but before we, before we get to that, the Jawan Mitchell decision to enter the transfer portal yesterday, what did you make of that? I think it was a shocking blow to Tennessee. It really was Um, with Jeremy Binks gone. They need him. But then I kind of thought about it later. I think Aaron Beasley has obviously got one starting spot. They went after Keenan Peely from BYU for a reason. And, um, I think Mitchell may feel like he's the odd man out and thought he was going to just take over Banks's role, but we saw what it was like against South Carolina. Now he South Carolina when when that happened and Tim Tim Banks was limited in the different stunts and schemes he could use and I think I think they made a decision then that they were like Jawan Mitchell can't really be the guy to replace Jeremy Banks. We need to go after a transfer and they went after uh, Keenan Peely. That's that's how I think that all went down. But I'm, I still. I still thought he would have been a contributor, so I'm a little shocked that he entered the portal. I was surprised, too. Um, yeah, I, th- I think we have seen, though, this defense, where whereas they rotate people in a lot of different positions, you don't see a lot of rotation defensively. So when you find yourself in that second string, you're kind of out, Caleb. I mean, you're, you're kind of not playing a lot, um, you know. A second stringer in, in a lot of programs plays, what, 20 snaps as opposed to 40, 50, 60? Um, it seems like a contributor at Tennessee, and I haven't done the snap count, don't get me wrong, but it just seems like they kind of get lost in the shuffle. I mean, it, out of out of in t- Tennessee's entire defense, who is the guy that came off the bench and had some sort of impact? You have to think the defensive line maybe, um, but – and there's always going to be a rotation there just because you have to. Yeah. Do you think part of that was due to lack of depth, though? They just didn't have anybody they could run behind yeah, them. That's fair. That's fair. And maybe Juwan Mitchell looks at this and says, you know, they haven't rotated people regardless of the reason. I'm not going to see see playing time. So, um, yeah, I, th- I think Peely's going to be really good. Um, I think he's physical. I don't think he's going to be a guy that's going to go sideline to sideline. But I think tackle to tackle, he's going to be very good. And then we had a, a question earlier 
um, on our message board. Uh, oh, Trey was uh, said he was lucky enough to see Eric Berry in three home games last year in England Stadium, his last year, and they were dumb for throwing it his way. Yeah, he's absolutely just phenomenal. I mean, I guess now that I think about it, I saw all of his games in person. I don't think I was suspended for any of those. So um, <laughs> it, um, uh, I'm going to tell you more about Eric Berry. A couple of things that you don't know and a rap song that you might have forgotten. First, I remind you to hit that thumbs up button because we are at a new time and we need to make sure that everybody knows it. So hit the thumbs up button like that. And we greatly appreciate it. It's brought to you by Zach England, your personal injury attorney in the Chattanooga area. Zach England of Best and Brock. Zach's got your back when it comes to a personal injury attorney, be it a car wreck, slip and fall, whatever it may be. Zach England of Best and Brock. Zach's got your back. All right. So back in two minutes, let me tell you some things about Eric Berry. You do not know. He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker off the Hook Sports sun, sand, and salt water, the beach is a very relaxing place. Unless you wear contacts. Ow! Open your eyes to the best the beach has to offer with LASIK Vision Correction from Campbell Cunningham Laser Center. Ah. Do you want to own the more that owns every job? Then get the Vasti Lawn and Garden in Cleveland and get you a Toro. I'm David Vasti, here to talk to you about Toro. With a Toro Zero Turn, you'll get more out of every minute and you'll reach the finish line faster. At Bassey's, we like to say, no matter if you're mowing three acres a week or 11 lawns a day, homeowners and business owners alike find confidence in equipment they can trust from top to bottom. Bassey Lawn and Garden, Highway 60 North in Cleveland. Man alive, it's worth the drive. Hey folks, Gary Viles here, Viles Automotive on Callahan Drive. I've been selling cars here in East Tennessee for 27 years. In that time, I've come to realize it's not about the car. It's about you, the customer. So I'm here to take care of you just like family. Good credit, bad credit, you name it, we can get you taken care of. If we don't have it, we can find it for you. We go across the country to get any vehicle that you want. And here at Viles Automotive, we don't believe in fake numbers. We just give you great deals. And as always, we want, we need, and we appreciate your business. Here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. Chattanooga, we're at it again. For the fifth year in a row, you voted us best of the best criminal and DUI law firm. And finalists for best law firm and best personal injury firm. Thank you for the love, Chattanooga. We won't let you down. Trying to pull something up during the break, and I failed miserably. So, I, I promised you some Eric Berry talk. Uh, new time, 10 o'clock. That's where we're sticking. Hit the thumbs up button. If you haven't subscribed yet, please do so if you're new to the channel. Uh, interviews with uh, John Adams of the Knoxville News Sentinel on our YouTube channel. Cooper Mays, current balls. Jacob Warren, current balls. I guess it would be current ball, current ball. So anyway, what are your uh, remembrances of uh, Eric Berry? 
and um, your your thoughts. I, I covered him um, throughout that time, and I want I want to share some thoughts. But Caleb, what are your what are your remembrances of Eric Berry? What stands out? And message board guys, go ahead and uh, already Joe stole my thunder. All right, Joe. All right, go go ahead. Don't mention that, Caleb. Don't mention what I'm about to do. Okay. So my memories of Eric Berry more than anything was it was so hard to figure. There wasn't a skill position that he could not have played. Um, and you almost wondered, was he wasted at strong safety? Because if they wanted to line him up at receiver or, or kick returner or punt returner or line, Monty Kiffin effectively lined him up at linebacker because remember Monty Kiffin's Tampa 2 call for smaller players to usually play linebacker. So Eric Berry... I think that's why he didn't actually break the all-time interception return yardage record is because Monty Kiffin didn't have him in coverage as much that last year. True. And um, it, so my, my, the one play that stands out, there's a play against South Carolina. It was because I think for all of us, what we remember the most is how great he was at returning turnovers, whether it be a fumble recovery or an interception. And there was a play his freshman year at South against South Carolina South Carolina's opening drive, they fumble. Eric Berry picks it up, and he's returning. And he throws a blocker in front of him. He throws a teammate. I forget who he threw in front of him, but he throws a teammate in front of him to block for him so he can get down the sideline, and he almost scores. Um, I want to get to my memories of, of Eric Berry, and they probably weren't really pleasant for him. Uh, but, but first, we'll, we'll give this a shot and uh, see how this works. Yeah, I remember it. I loved the original. Ronaldo Woolridge was a terrible rapper. There's a reason Swiper Boy never made it. Oh. Well, no, this, this is Ronaldo Woolridge. I know. Who did I know. The original? Oh, there's a, the, the, the song is a remake of a song by a rapper named Hurricane Chris called Halle Berry. Halle Berry. Halle Berry. And... That's what they were remaking when they did this song. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. I wasn't yeah. very hip at the time. Hurricane Chris has, by the way, since, not, not Ronaldo Woolrich, Hurricane Chris, the original rapper, has since been charged with second-degree murder. Kind of had his own issues. Well, but... it didn't happen to Ronaldo nor Eric. Yes, exactly. It didn't. But uh, he had another song called uh, Hey, Baby, Let It Play. That's my song. Turn it up. Hey, Baby. That was Hurricane Chris. And so um, Louisiana rapper. Uh, those, those, my, those, my, those, those, are my, those are my peak years. But <laughs> I remember the Swiper Boy version. I remember getting in an argument with a Tennessee beat reporter at the time. I said, if Ronaldo Woolridge wasn't as obsessed with rapping, he may be a better basketball player. And I still stand by that. The guy... Um, transferred to USC, if you remember, Southern California, and then played in Spain for about a year. Uh, I thought he had talent. I thought he could be a good swing man. He needed to develop a better jumper. But nevertheless, here are my thoughts on Eric Berry. So I uh, started with uh, going to cover uh, Eric Berry in uh, Fairburn, Georgia, when he was a prospect, and incredibly blown away. Um, still Facebook friends with his his parents. And you know, still have their number. I, I don't call them often, but I, I just um, the thing that always will stand out to me about Eric Berry um, is that in the 2008 season, Caleb, things were bad. You know, it was not only a coach getting fired, maybe like at a just normal old program, but it was 
it was Philip Fulmer. And, and going through that season, other than Neyland, he was the most successful coach at Tennessee. And that was a team that was just absolutely falling apart because of a bad coaching hire and, and Dave Fawson, an offensive coordinator. And there really wasn't, you know, Jonathan Crompton was set to be the starter, but quite frankly, I think there was a lot of disagreement. I don't think I know there was a lot of disagreement in how to run the offense between Fawson and Fulmer. So it undermined the offense from the get. It doesn't matter. You had a hurdle at the starting line. So I don't care if it was Jonathan Crompton or John Elway. There were going to be struggles on the offense. And we've talked about how Dave Clawson flip-flopped the offensive line. It was just, and Dave Clawson was at a point in his career where he was not ready for that sort of job. So there was not a face of the program to come out. Who's the guy in football, Caleb, that comes out and visits with the media when things aren't going well, are going well? God forbid a case of the Buffalo Bills, uh, Josh Allen, when you have a player injured. Who, who is the guy in football that comes out and talks to the media most often? I mean, typically it's the coach and the quarterback. Right. That's the face of your program. Well, Jonathan, who I have a great affinity for, was going through an incredibly tough time not knowing if he had his head coach's back. And if you want to blame Jonathan for the 2008 season or portions of his career when he didn't play well go for it I think there were a lot of things going on you probably didn't know about so you couldn't trot out Jonathan Crompton who was also banged up that entire year uh, because you know he he felt like he had to defend himself much less defend the team's overall success so the guy that got trotted out a lot of the times and and you know nowadays Caleb, we see guys do maybe one interview or one media session every three weeks, right? Um, Eric Berry came out two or three times a week. And I just absolutely um, just was so, I had so much respect for him because he came out and you could tell he didn't want to do it. It was like going to get a root canal, but he showed up Every single time he answered questions, it got to the point when you're in early November that you really don't even know what to ask because you're asking the same thing because really the game is becoming consequential. This is when, um, you know, Mike Hamilton came out with the comments that, you know, uh, Tennessee is not designed to go, I believe it's five and six or whatever the record was. And, and so it ended up in the firing and, and all of that. But um, Caleb, he never ducked interviews, ever. Not one time. Arian Foster would come out uh, after making the media wait. Uh, I remember him specifically for 45 minutes, just in hopes that they would give up. Um, he would talk pterodactyl, and I'm just using him as an example. Eric Berry came out every time he was requested. I, there may have been one time where he needed some sort of... Um, some sort of, you know, medical issue, or he may have had a pulled hamstring or something. There may have been one time. So as far as character, I'm not knocking any of the other players I've covered, but he is a plus, 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 plus overcoming cancer, overcoming uh, uh, an Achilles tear, overcoming an ACL tear, and not only overcoming cancer, but the ability to keep your body in elite shape 
And one day it's upper body, next day it's lower body, next day you're puking. Um, I, I said this before, and I have a feeling that you might, you, you know, history of, of Tennessee's program right up there with the best of them. I think there are three elite players, like change the game players. And Barry was able to go to the NFL and play one, two, three, four, four different positions, linebacker, strong safety, free safety, and cornerback. So I think there are three players that were transcendental players. I think Peyton Manning changed the game. I think Doug Atkins, because of his size-speed ratio and jumping over offensive linemen, changed the game. To me, those are the three elite. And then you take a step down, a little step down to your next grouping. Um but that's how much respect I have for Eric Berry. And I'm glad he's not being forgotten. I'm glad he was inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame yesterday because that's one of the uh, finest young men. And sure, he could get surly at times. I mean, who couldn't when you're going through a losing season? And he he hated losing. Um, but, Caleb, what, what are your thoughts on me having that those three kind of that elite upper level? You m- might have a disagreement there in, in one or two. So I never thought of Eric Berry as transcendental, but I, I think you're kind of right. Um, in terms of like people, he's in my top three people to ever be a Tennessee. I'm with you on that. Um, I, I, I'm thinking like, okay, so what about like somebody like, so Reggie White played defensive tackle at Tennessee and then defensive end in the NFL. Were defensive tackles really pass rushers like that before Reggie White? Did you have guys of that size? The reason um, I wouldn't have Reggie White, God rest his soul, um, is that he did it for one year. He knew, he realized, you know, that after his junior year, whoa, there's some money to be made. And whatever switch got flipped in that year, it got flipped for the rest of his career. So he was never, he never dogged it after that. But there was, you know, as a junior, he was a big guy who didn't like to move around nearly as much. And he had a very productive senior year. So that's why I don't have him. Anybody you would throw out there, maybe even going back to the 50s, and you might come up the only other one I would throw out there is, believe it or not, um, and he didn't do it that long in college, but Jason Witten changed the tight end role in the NFL because Jason Witten is the only tight end. Usually you have a receiving tight end or a blocking tight end. I Jason Witten's the only tight end I know that could play left tackle or play wide out. Like he's the only one. He could have played either position. And usually you get like a Shannon Sharp or you get like a physical blocking tight end. But you don't. Jason Witten was literally a Hall of Fame mix of both. He could have been a Hall of Fame blocking tight end and a Hall of Fame receiving tight end. I don't know another receiver who could have done that. He's famous for outrunning the entire Michigan secondary in college, and so I, I, Jason Witten's not in like my top ten Tennessee players of all time list. But in terms of transcendent talent, I think you might have. I think he might be there. I could see that, um, and then you go back way back in the day. Um, you know, there there are certainly guys that I'm probably not nearly as well versed on. And I don't know if they showed up for media interviews or not. But I just uh, go back about um, I just go back and I, I, I man, he didn't want to be there. Just absolutely did not want to be there. And he actually I do know this. You were probably in the room. I'm guessing you were in the media room when Phil Former gave his like almost hostage video of I'm stepping down press conference that he gave in 2008 where he was fighting back tears um, uh, or Mike Hamilton was there. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. that was, um, that, that really was very, very, very close to resulting in some media members, maybe me included um, getting beat up 
because I, I don't know if you remember, but they marched every single player. Um, that, that little media room had never been so packed and uh, marched um, every single player. I don't remember seeing Eric Berry there now that you mention it, but marched every single was Eric Berry there. Uh, well, that's the, if you go to the YouTube videos from Knox New Sentinel at the time, Eric Berry is one of the one of the it's Eric Berry and Ramon Foster who spoke afterward. And I remember Ramon Foster being he he was a former loyalist and he was not happy that Fulmer was fired. OK, and, we're talking about two different press conferences. The only the only player that spoke at the press conference I'm thinking of was Josh Briscoe just out of nowhere. But I remember it being they had every player march from the facility to the media center and uh, every every um, every single player. And it was packed. And I remember going up to Bob Kessley and I said, do you realize this could go really south really quick? And he goes, no. And um, John Adams, friend of the program and friend of the channel, was uh, called some names that I care not to repeat. I guess I can repeat them because of uh, there's no FCC regulations here but i'm not going to repeat them out of class um but yes i thought that there was a chance that john adams could have been beaten oh yeah because that was the same calendar year earlier that year where john adams wrote the column calling for fulmer's firing after the britain cole quit arrest and then arrest and then fulmer took out that op-ed get it you know defending himself against john adams i I remember that It was all out of control. Um, but John Adams, for the record, was the last person to call for Philip Fulmer to get fired. It had already come from the Tennessee and the Memphis Commercial Appeal, probably in the Chattanooga Times Free Press. I mean, that was he was actually the last one there. And he's uh, viewed as the most critical of Philip Fulmer, which might be fair. Um, remind you that AndyMasonRealEstate.com, if you're in Knoxville, AndyMasonRealEstate.com is the place you want to go for your real estate needs. A great friend of the program and AndyMasonRealEstate.com has uh, 40 years of experience in their office of finding you the right home and their two business tenants are pretty simple. They will save you money because they have the best prices and they will also, here's the cool part, they have the best service. They like pick up the phone and, uh, and all that good stuff. It's, uh, Pretty cool. So uh, check it out, uh, andymasonrealestate.com, if you want to save money and have the best service. But that is that is up to you. So I'm watching some highlights in the background of uh, Eric Berry. And it, he was one of those guys, too, kind of in a different way, like a Deion Sanders, um, that when the spotlight was on, he always seemed to respond. So, you know, some guys shy away from that spotlight and they don't play their best. Eric Berry was a guy that if you told him, hey, you need one interception to break this record, nine times out of ten, he went out there and got it. Yeah, and he didn't do, unlike Dion. funny enough, I'm not trying to hate on Dion, but he didn't do extra things to draw attention to himself for it either. Um, Zero. There were some... I, I, I didn't watch Dion. You know more than I, but I've looked at some stats. There were years like when Dion went one-on-one with Jerry Rice or when he went one-on-one with Michael Irvin before joining the Cowboys, he had a tendency to give up quite a few yards to the elite receivers he guarded um, before would, he could to go to try to make the big play. I would debate that, but that's that's a different that's a subject for a different day. <laughs> you could probably pull those stats up. Crafttreats.com, you save 20% with anything on their website, including their chill pills. And their chill pills will help your dog with arthritis and digestive issues. They'll also help with anxiety issues. Great for my dog. Go to crafttreats.com. 
Use the promo code off the hook, the promo code off the hook for any of the treats, CBD or otherwise, and you get 20% off, off the hook, 20% off. Yeah, I'm just watching these Eric Berry highlights. And what is to cheer for in, in a lot of those years if Eric Berry's not there? I agree. I mean, they did win the East his first year in 2007. Um, and that was a, that they had no business winning the East. They were the third best team in the SEC East that year, but they got lucky with uh, the scheduling from the West that year. But this too, if, if you don't think he was a really, really good, like elite NFL player, I mean, he was pro football focus had it for like the three years, his first three years before he got injured. Um, and, and before he had to go through cancer treatment, he was rated as one of the top players, not one of the top defensive backs, not one of the top chiefs, but one of the very top players in the entire NFL. So, I mean, he was he was definitely that good. Um, no question about it. So, all right. Uh, tomorrow on the program, we're looking forward to how about a little Ron Slay. Uh, also, before the end of the week, we want to have Chris Landry on LandryFootball.com to break down what Georgia has coming back and can Tennessee go toe to toe with the Bulldogs. But all in all, um, a very impressive display. There's no question about it by Tennessee. Today's tough question was, um, or impressive display by Georgia. Um, All in all, what would have happened had Tennessee played Georgia in the college football playoff championship game? And we have, 25% 25% win, 40% lost by 10 or less, 29% lost by 20 or less, and 4.5% blowout like TCU. So have a fantastic day, everyone. He is Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. I ask you one last question for the new ones who just got on board. Hit that thumbs up button because we're at a new time, 10 o'clock each and every day, Eastern weekdays. And we want to bring more people into the program. So the thumbs up button helps us grow. Thank you very much. Have a fantastic day. This has been a production of Off the Hook Sports. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me. And you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply